Well, let's open our Bibles again now to the passage Brother Jonathan just read for us, Philippians chapter 3. I've titled the message this morning, Pressing Toward the Mark. We have three verses in our text this morning, and the life story of every believer summed up in these three verses, beginning in verse 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now you may remember that last week we looked at but Paul said, I want to know Christ. And he already knew Christ. But what he's saying is, I want to know him better. I want to be joined. I want to know that I'm joined to Christ in union with him so that I am what he is. That the Father only sees me in Christ, never me by myself. I want to know that I am in Christ. That Christ is my righteousness. If I'm in him, that I obeyed the law when he obeyed the law. I died to the law when he was in the law. I want to know I have union with Christ, that I'm in him. Then Paul said, I want to know the power of Christ's resurrection. He said, I, what he's saying is, that I want to experience that life-giving power of the Holy Spirit in giving me life, spiritual life in the new birth. That takes the same power it took to raise Christ from the dead. And the result of Christ being raised from the dead is all of his people must be given this new life and the new birth. Paul said, I don't want to just know about that. I want to experience that in my heart. I want the Holy Spirit to work that in me. And last, Paul said, I want to be made conformable unto the death of Christ. I want to know that when Christ died, he died for me. I don't want this just to be a historical fact. Jesus of Nazareth died on a cross. I want to know that when Christ died, I died in him. That he died for all of my sin so that I have all the benefits of Christ's death. If I died in Christ, then I'm dead to the power of sin. Sin doesn't have the power to condemn me anymore. Sin doesn't have the power to keep me from, from seeing and believing Christ anymore. I'm dead to the power of sin. I'm dead to the demands of the law. I don't have to look to the law to see what to do and make God happy with me. I'm dead to the demands of the law. I'm accepted in the beloved. The Father's pleased with me in Christ. I'm free from worry about condemnation for my sin because my sin was already condemned in Christ my substitute. And you know, every believer has all three of those blessings. All three of them. Now, I recognize we enjoy them at different amounts at different times in our life, but every believer has all three of those blessings. We have them, but we don't have them perfectly, do we? You'll notice I said that we enjoy these blessings at different amounts, at different times in our lives. And the reason for that is we have these blessings. We enjoy these blessings by faith in Christ. You know, these things are not in our hands yet. They're by faith. And sometimes our faith is stronger. Sometimes our faith is weaker. So we enjoy these things at different amounts. And that's why Paul says here, I haven't already attained. I've not arrived yet. When he says, I'm not perfect, the word is finished. 
I'm not a finished product yet. As long as I live in this flesh, I'm not a finished product. Now, by God's grace, I'm not what I once was. But brother, I got a long, 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 long way to go. <laughs> long way. I'm perfect in Christ. Perfect. Perfectly holy, perfectly righteous, even in glory. I'll not be more holy than I am right now. I'm perfect in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, but I haven't attained yet. I haven't attained that body and soul. Not yet I haven't. I will someday, but not yet. No, I'm far from perfect. I'm not perfect in my love. In my love for God or my love for you. I wish it would grow. I'm not perfect in my conduct. I wish that would, would improve quite a bit. I'm not perfect in an outward righteousness. I'm not perfect in my preaching. Not perfect in my prayer. Not perfect in worship. That new man is there, but I got a lot of growing up to do. Got a lot of growing. I need to, I need to grow in grace and the knowledge of Christ my Savior. And if you look at me in the flesh, there's not a person here who can argue with that. <laughs> when you look at me, you don't see a righteous man, do you? You see a sinful man in sinful flesh. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. Now when Christ returns, we'll be made just like him. Then we'll be perfect, won't we? Body and soul, but, but not until then. I'm not a finished product yet. And since I'm not a finished product, I'm following after it. I'm following after it. I'm not satisfied. No. I'm awfully thankful. Aren't you? I'm thankful for God's grace. I'm thankful for His mercy. I'm thankful for the sacrifice of Christ. I'm thankful for His blood. I'm thankful. I just My human mind can't even begin to comprehend what it means that God loves me. How and why He could love me. I, oh, I'm thankful. But I'm not satisfied. I'll only be satisfied when I awake in Christ's likeness. Then I'll be satisfied. Then I'll have in full possession everything that Christ has purchased for me, everything the Father purposed to give me. And until then, I'm going to follow after Him. I'm going to follow after Him. Now, before we look at following after, let's look at the beginning. How does this thing start? How does the life story of every believer start? Well, it begins with this word, apprehended. The word means to arrest, to take possession of. Now, Paul knows what he's talking about here, doesn't he? Isn't that exactly what happened to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus? Saul was on his way to do some arresting of his own, wasn't he? He's going to arrest men, women, and children who are of this way, in the way of Christ. And instead, the Lord arrested Saul. He unhorsed him and he arrested him. He stopped him. He took possession of him and took up residence in his heart. And he made Saul to become Paul, the loving bond slave of Christ. And if you, you believe on Christ, you'll say, I recognize that story. That's what God did for me. He arrested me on my mad dash to hell. He arrested me. I was... Just on a mad dash to hell, trusting in my own works, and God arrested me. He unhorsed me, stopped me, took the pride out of me, and made me trust in Christ, made me rest in Christ, made me like Saul. Lord, who are you? <laughs> he made us his willing, loving bond slaves, didn't he? And Christ became the king of my life. 
Now that's the life of a believer. I was going my way. I was insisting on having my way and my will. And God arrested me. He stopped me from having my way. And put me in Christ the way. That's the story. Of saved by grace. That's what God does for his people. God stopped me cold in my tracks when I was his enemy. When I was on his way to do as much harm as I could do, he arrested me. He washed me in the blood of his son. He revealed his son to me and in me. He gave me a new nature. He made me his friend. He made me his servant. And I've been his ever since. That's the story of grace. Now God arrested me. He reached down and he laid hold on me now I want to lay hold on him I want to lay hold back on him God has given me all these blessings of grace all these promises of grace now I want to lay hold on them I want to enjoy them I want to lay hold on all the spiritual blessings that are mine in Christ and be in full possession of them I want everything in my possession that Christ purchased for me with his blood that he shed on Calvary's tree. I want to lay hold upon God's grace so that I quit trusting my works of the law, my works of religion, and trust God. Trust Christ and his grace. I want to lay hold on eternal life. Quit trying to earn it by my works and lay hold on eternal life. I want to lay hold on righteousness and lay hold on holiness See, what I want to lay hold on is Christ. If I can lay hold on Him. He's laid hold on me. Now if I can lay hold on Him and be just like Him, that is my heart's desire. That is the single desire of my heart. Now if that describes you, then you believe on Christ. You're one of His people. If more than anything, you want to be just like Christ. You want to be with Him and you want to be just like Him. That's the heart's desire of every believer and the new heart that God gives his people. If God's put that desire in your heart, then this one thing, this one thing, not many things, one thing. It's easy to get distracted when you try to look at four things at once, isn't it? Not many things, one thing. I'm going to follow after Christ. That's Verse 13, Paul said, My brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I've not arrived yet. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now Paul said, I haven't arrived. I've not laid hold on everything that Christ purchased for me yet. So I'm following after. I'm following after him because I have to have him. I have to have Christ. There are lots of things I can do without. I can't do without Christ. I cannot do without him. So I follow after him. Now I know that could sound pretty mysterious, doesn't it? How do I follow after Christ? You know, false religion tells you a lot of things. You follow after him by wearing a little bracelet on your wrist. You know, what would Jesus do? And you just do what Jesus would do. And that's following after Christ. They tell you following after Christ is being more moral. And being following certain laws and all these things. What is it really? From the word of God. Now I don't care what men think. What is it from the word of God to follow after Christ? 
Well, Paul gives us three keys. And the illustration that he uses is the way that a runner runs a long distance race. We follow after Christ with the same mindset that a distance runner has when he's running a race. That distance runner is not thinking about many things, is he? He's thinking about one thing, that finish line. That's what he's thinking about. And that's the mindset that the believer needs in this thing of following after Christ and the life of faith that we live till the Lord returns. It's not going to be over quickly. So we need this long-term mindset that a, like a runner has. So first of all, to follow after Christ, we need to forget. Forget those things which are behind. That's what Paul says in verse 13. I'm forgetting those things which are behind. Now whatever it is that's behind you, everybody's you know got, got a different story, got some different things that in, in your past. Whatever it is, Forget it. <laughs> Just forget it. You can't run a race looking behind you all the time. It's impossible. You know, I used to run a lot of road races, and, um, you know, I was like a middle of the pack at best, you know, kind of guy. So there were a lot of people out in front of me. But whenever somebody in front of me started doing this business, I knew I was passing that person. Now, I may not pass anybody else, but I'm passing that person. They're fading. They're fading. Quit looking back to see what's behind you. Don't just keep looking forwards. Forget your sins of the past. Forget them. Forget them in two ways. Doesn't it bother you when somebody keeps looking back at their sins and saying how bad you know I used to be and they talk about them like that's the good old days? No, 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 no. Those are not the good old days. But forget those sins that are in the past. In this, this way too. Quit looking back at them with fear. Quit being afraid of them. Quit, quit looking back afraid they're going to catch up to you. Now, I say that. You know we can never forget that we're sinners. Because only sinners are going to trust Christ, right? Remember the hole from which you were digged. But always remember we're a sinner who's been saved by grace. Not because we're better than anybody else now, but by God's grace. Forget the sins of your past. We got enough sins of today to deal with. I mean, people, you know, a lot of times somebody talks about their sins of the past like, well, you know, that, that was so shameful, like I'm better than that now. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I know I'm actually just as bad, totally depraved, just totally depraved. I mean, you can't get worse than, than zero, right? But once I've been born again, to the new man, I think I'm worse than I used to be. I think I see more sins than, you know, than I used to see. No, my, my shameful sins of the past are shameful. I tell you what, after the Lord's revealed Himself to me, actually my sins of today are worse, aren't they? They're sin against more light. Forget them. Forget those sins of the past. Live right now. I, I, I don't know who said this, but I heard it last week, a, a quote from a college um, coach who told his players, live where your feet are. <laughs> don't be back there. Live where your feet are. Live right here. To the believer, I say this. And you can't say this to everybody, but to the believer, I say this. Forget your sins of the past. Because Almighty God has. 
Isn't that what he said? Their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now, if God doesn't remember them, why should I, why should I fear? Why should I fear they're going to catch up to me? If God doesn't remember them, do I want to remind him of them? <laughs> no. God's put away the sin of his people under the blood of Christ so they don't exist anymore. There's nothing to remember. There's nothing to remember if your sins have been put under the blood of Christ. If the Father's forgotten our sins, then it's all right for us to forget them, isn't it? Now I know, again, we can't, people say, oh, I regret the sins of my youth, you know, so much. And, well, I understand that. I mean, we can't forget our sins of the past in, in the sense that, well, we don't regret that we did them, you know. I mean, if you don't learn from your past mistakes, you know, you're, you're not learning, you're not growing, are you? No, we regret, we regret the, the pain and the harm that our sins have caused others. We regret our sin against God. And we ought to regret our sin against God. But we cannot live fretting about those sins. Because we've forgotten to realize those sins can't condemn us. Don't be worried now that your sin... People do... I I used to have a dear friend that did this. He's always just always afraid of sins of of his youth. He said, you just don't know how bad I was. The sins of his youth are going to... God's going to get him for him, you know. That sin has been punished in the substitute. The blood of Christ blotted them out. So quit fretting about them. Quit fretting that they're going to condemn you. Now don't forget you're a sinner, but don't fear those sins are going to condemn you. If God has forgotten my sins, really and truly, it's okay for me to forget about them too. Because And you think, well, I can't forget them. They're still there. Well, God says they're not. And the way God sees things, that's the way they really are. God says they don't exist anymore. I've cast them on my back. Then that's the way we should look at things too. Living without fear, our past sins are going to condemn us because Christ was condemned for us. But here's a bigger problem. It's something we need to forget that's in the past. We need to forget those things in our past both before and after conversion. You know, we would really like to forget all of our sins of the past, wouldn't we? I'd like for you all to forget my sins of the past too. But we don't want to forget our good works, do we? All those things we did, you know, that was it was it was nice I did that. It was generous that I did that. I went and helped this person. I, I gave this, I did this, you know. That was I, I don't want to forget that. I like to kind of reminisce on that sometimes, how good I was. And we don't want anybody else to forget those things either, do we? How, our good works. <laughs> Don't you forget how kind I was to you. You know, maybe y'all thank me every once in a while. You know, just let's bring that up. And talk about how good I was. We don't want people to forget that. Well, now, by God's grace, the believer has those things in, in your past. God's given you a heart for that, a heart of, of generosity, a heart to to reach out and, and help others. He's given you a heart to to do these works of, of faith and, and love. I can say to this congregation, you've been faithful. Oh, you've been so faithful. You've given offerings. You've been a blessing to others. You've been a blessing to each other. You've been a blessing to this pastor. God made you do those things. That's why he made us for. And I thank God for you. But listen, forget them. Forget them. Forget them so that you never trust him. And live where your feet are. Do those works today. 
Have that attitude today. Do those things today. Live where your feet are. You know, don't look to those things. A lot of times we don't want to when we don't want to forget those things that we've done that we think are good. We're looking at those things as evidence of our salvation. Don't look to what you've done. If you did them for the, for the glory of Christ, you did them to, to help one of God, you did them out of a sincere heart, you want to help somebody, that's a good work. That's what Scripture says. But don't look to those things as evidence of your salvation. Keep looking to Christ. Our works, how we live, how well we think we're living, that's not the evidence of salvation. The one and only evidence of salvation we have is this. Faith in Christ. Not did you believe Christ 25 years ago. Do you believe Him right now? Are you trusting Christ right now? Are you resting in Him right now? That's the evidence of salvation. You remember Matthew chapter 25. The Lord separated the sheep on His right hand, the goats on His left. And He looks at the sheep and He tells them all these good works that they've done. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you, and you, and you fed me. He lists all these good works that the sheep had done. And you know what the righteous said unto the Lord? When did we do that? I, never, I don't remember seeing you hungry. I don't remember seeing you sick or in prison. I, I never saw you naked. When, I don't, when did we do that? They didn't remember. Because they weren't keeping score. They weren't looking to those works to save them. They were looking to Christ. See, that, that that's the difference. So the issue is not that I believe Christ in the past. It's do I believe Him right now. So quit looking back. And keep looking to Christ. That's following Christ. Alright, secondly, to follow Christ. is reaching. For those things which are ahead. That's what Paul said. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching. You notice that's in the present tense. We're constantly forgetting. And we're constantly reaching forward, aren't we? You know, I try to remind us often. This life is not all that there is. And I tell you why I remind us of that often. Because it's we're in this flesh. It's too easy to get caught up in this world. And you just get right in it. So you think this is all that there is because you just can't see. You know, you're in the weeds and you just you can't see out of them. And we have important things to do in this life. I'm not minimizing the things we've got to do in this life. If you've got a family, raise them. I mean, teach them and raise them and educate them and clothe them and teach them and teach them and teach them and teach them. If you got a job, I mean, go make a living. I mean, work so hard at that job, they just think you're the best employee that there is. Whatever it is God's given you in this life, take care of it. Take care of it. It's your responsibility to take care of it. But keep them in perspective. Just hold on a minute and remember, all this is just temporary. I'll take care of it, but in its right place, it's just temporary. The believer has such a great blessing that the unbeliever could never understand. You who believe, you're looking forward to something a whole lot better than this life, aren't you? Aren't you glad to be reminded this life is not all there is? Aren't you glad that the heartache and the pain and the worry and the suffering and the rat race 
of this life, aren't you glad that's not all there is? <laughs> oh, believer, you think of the precious promises that of God's grace He set before us. He's promised that He will be with His people every step we take. When He leadeth His sheep out, He goeth before them. Every step we take, He's already taken it. When we go through the valley, and through the deep water, when we go through the fire, and we walk along the beautiful mountaintop, our God says, I'll be with you every step. And He's promised us grace sufficient for every trial. Now don't expect a life without heartache. It's going to be full of it. But reach forward and grab a hold of this promise. He's promised us grace sufficient for every trial. He'll comfort your heart. Forget those things which are behind. And reach forward to these precious promises. Forget yesterday's manna. Forget yesterday's provisions. God's promised new supplies for today. You know, I think how the Lord has blessed the preaching of the gospel in the past. Particularly in this town, to this congregation. And Brother Henry would be the first to tell you, forget them. Forget dead preachers and, and dead pastors. And, and you know, I'm not saying that. But forget what the blessings of the past and remember this, God hadn't changed. God's still in the business of feeding and saving his sheep today. Reach forward for the gospel being preached today. In your day to you. Go back and listen to all those old messages and, and you know, enjoy and be thankful. But remember, God's feeding his sheep today through preachers preaching today. Reach out for food for your soul today. You can't live on yesterday's manna. Reach forward for today's. In those things, we've enjoyed God's presence. Oh, we've enjoyed God's presence in the past. But I'm telling you what, that don't do me any good today. Reach forward for God's presence today. Seek to be in His presence today. God's promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now take God at His Word and reach out for that promise today. Reach out for His presence to, to cheer and to lead and to guide today. Hadn't God been merciful to us in the past? And His mercies, they're past finding out. And I'm thankful for it, but I need new mercies today. I need it today. Cry out to God. Reach out for His mercy. His mercies are new every morning. Reach out for them. And God has promised us, and this is what Paul was talking about in the previous verses, He's promised us resurrection glory with Him. Now reach out for that every day. When you got to get up before the crack of dawn and you got to go out to work and go out to the salt mines and it's just... Ugh, ugh. Well, take care of what God's given you to do. But do it reaching forward to that promise. God's promised to raise His people in a perfect, glorified body. To take us out of this place and give us a new body. Be with Him. Reach forward for that blessing. Just remembering. This, it'll help you. This is not all that there is. There's something so much better coming. It's, it's such a great blessing God's given us. We don't have to live on yesterday's blessings. God's still blessing His people today. So reach forward for those things today.
And here's the third thing, to follow after Christ, we have to press toward the mark. That's what Paul says in verse 14, I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now that word press and follow after, it's the same Greek word, and it means to run swiftly. Run swiftly after. There's a sense of urgency in this thing, of following after Christ. I don't want to become lukewarm. There's an urgency in this thing. There's an urgency in following after Christ. I tell you this, you don't win or even finish a long distance race without at some point you think, I want to quit or you think I can't go on and you've got to press yourself to keep going. You're just going to have to press yourself at some point. I thought when I read that verse, I thought about uh, when I was in seventh grade. When I was in seventh grade, this is the first team I, you ever had to go try out for, you know, and I made the Wheelersburg Pirate seventh grade basketball team. First time I got to put on that orange and black. I mean, we even had orange shoes, orange black and orange socks. I mean, that's a favorite team I was ever on. And I learned so much. It's the same team Isaac Floyd coaches today. I learned so much from that team. I mean, I learned about uh, basketball. But I learned life lessons from that team I still use today, frequently. Our coach was Coach Smith. And Coach Smith had a, had a, a philosophy that you do everything that you do as hard as you can possibly do it. If you're running a sprint and you run this one faster than the last one, that, mean, that doesn't mean you did good on this one. That means you weren't giving your maximum effort on the last one, right? And if you run this sprint slower than the last one, being tired is not an excuse. It's just you weren't giving your most effort. I mean, I'm not kidding you. Being tired, we, we run, I mean, sprints we'd run. It didn't matter if you're tired. That's not an excuse. You run this one as fast as you did the last one. Maximum effort on everything. When you're going from this drill to this drill, you run as fast as you possibly can from here to there. Just, and this is what he would say. Isaac, you feel free to use this. He'd say, push yourself. I could push yourself, Tate. We're running laps. Push yourself. And I still tell myself that today. I get tired. Push yourself, Tate. The life of faith requires some dedication to this thing. And a commitment. I will not quit. I will not quit. I will not quit trusting Christ. And please understand me when I say, when I say, push yourself. I don't mean work harder. I don't mean work harder to, to keep the law better and work harder to be more outwardly moral and work hard. This is what I mean. Work harder to quit working. Rest in Christ. Work to rest. Work to quit trusting in what you're doing and trust Christ alone. I just, I mean, by God's grace, I refuse to quit preaching Christ alone. I refuse to quit trusting Christ alone. I refuse to start trusting in what I'm doing. Thinking what I'm doing is adding to Him. I refuse to. What an insult to Him. I just refuse. I'm not going to go here preaching that's not Christ alone. Life's too short. I'm not wasting my time with that. I 
absolutely, wholeheartedly believe this truth. God will not let me go. If I'm His, He will not let me go. But I'm telling you, I refuse to let go of Him. I mean, I just utterly refuse. Running this race that Christ, the, the Lord has set before us requires some persistence. And at some point in every believer's life, our faith is going to be tried. It's the only way faith can, can be uh, have the dross burned off of it. It's the only way faith can be strengthened is if it's tried. When our faith is tried, this is when we push yourself. Push yourself to seek the Lord. Instead of wallowing around in our pain and our suffering and in the darkness of the trial, push yourself to rest in Christ. Be persistent to seek Him. Call out to Him. Read His Word. Hear messages. And if, and if you don't see Him, if that doesn't comfort your heart, be persistent. Cry out to the Lord and read some more. Cry out to the Lord and hear another message. Don't absence yourself from the Word of God. Push yourself to rest. Don't work harder. Now, don't push yourself to work harder. Push yourself to rest. You as believers, I'm, I'm convinced of this. This is, this is our number one desire. It's to be just like Christ. I want to be holy as He is holy. I want to be righteous as He is righteous. I want to know Christ perfectly. I mean, I want to know everything that there is about Him. I long to have perfect knowledge of the Scriptures. Wouldn't you love someday to, to read a passage of Scripture and think, I don't know what that means. I want to know what this means. So, so Because I, I know this. It's pointing me to Christ. It's revealing Christ somehow. I sure would like to know what it means so I could see Christ. I want to have that perfect knowledge. But as long as we're in this flesh, that's impossible. Well, don't use that for excuse. Press towards it. Run swiftly towards it anyway. I remember Brother Henry using this example. I thought it was a real good one. He talked about in a in a football game. You know, you're on the 20-yard line, 80 yards from the line of scrimmage, and you call a fullback play up the middle. Well, that play is going to draw a lot of boos from the fans. It's not going to score a touchdown, is it? Henry said, I want that running back to run as hard as he can anyway. Yeah, we can't be perfect, but follow after it anyway. Press towards the finish line, knowing this. None of us are going to be perfect in this life. But the moment, by God's grace, He brings us to the finish line, we'll be perfect. We'll have what we desire, to be made just like Christ. So press towards it. Run this race with some patience and some diligence. It's not going to be over soon, but it will be over someday. Run it looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Run your race determined. You'll look nowhere and you'll trust no nothing except Christ alone. And when he brings us to the finish line, we'll be perfectly conformed to Christ's likeness. We'll be in possession of everything it is that God promised us. And we'll look back and we'll say, our God did all things well. And I'm sure that we'll say this too. 
it was worth every step. It was worth every step to arrive being made just like Christ. Human language can't touch that. So you just ponder that for a while. Being made just like Christ. That's worth pressing towards, isn't it? All right, let's bow together. Our Father, how we thank you for this clear revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ in your word. And this precious encouragement that you've given to your people. Father, I I beg of you that you would cause each of us to press. To give diligence. To quit trusting in our works. And trust and rest in Christ alone. That we run our race looking unto. Depending upon. Trusting in. Christ our Savior. The author and finisher of our faith. Father, it's in his name. For his sake we pray. Amen. All right, Sean.